0: Please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Men, don't forget, we need you to help move this piano down off the platform after the service tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Well, Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, great times. You know, I believe the church should seize these opportunities to shout our message loud and clear. We believe in Jesus. We believe he's the savior of the world. I heard another religion on television defending their beliefs in their book. Well, we believe in this book. Amen? Amen. We believe in our God. We believe in our Christ, our Savior. We believe in the crucifixion. And so next Sunday, I'll be repeating the sermon, the real passion of Christ as described in the book. Amen? And so we're looking to God for a great service all day, next Sunday on Palm Sunday and then on Easter Sunday. Both Pastor Gary and I, We'll be preaching Sunday mornings, one alternating, one in the early service and one in the second service on the triumph of the crucified. What a tremendous time of the year this is. Now then, from Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning with verse 14. But the word of the Lord is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Now then down in verse 19 and verse 20. I call heaven and earth to record against thee this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. You may be seated. Brethren, I want that monitor off. I can't look at myself while I preach. (laughs) (laughs) You can keep listening on behind me, but not up there. It's hard enough for you to do that, much less for me to do. <laughs> Moses was 120 years old. Think about that. Now, he was an old man. <laughs> he had spent 40 years in Egypt in Pharaoh's household as the son of Pharaoh's daughter because she rescued him from the Nile River in the ark of bulrushes. And then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert being trained for ministry as he kept Jethro's flock. You know, you have to learn to be faithful over some things before God will entrust you with bigger things. Sometimes it may not be a a very glorious task that God assigns you. He's testing your mettle to see if you're going to be faithful. Moses was 80 years old when he left Jethro and left that flock on the backside of the desert and went down to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage. So for 40 years then, when he led them out, they traveled across the wilderness, they came to the border, had to turn back a total of over 40 years in the wilderness. Now then, he's ready to die. But he's intent on seeing the the Jews, the, the nation of Israel, Fulfilling the destiny that God had chosen for them. He announced his imminent departure. He said, I'm not going to be here much longer. So he spoke a blessing on Israel if they would obey God and a curse if they disobeyed God. A blessing if they would do these things. Love the Lord thy God. Walk in his ways. Keep his commandments and statutes and judgments. There's a blessing if we do those things today. And there's a curse if we don't do those things. There are two choices that he offered them in verse 15. Keep your Bible open. Life and good. Life and good. That's the first choice. That you may live and multiply. God shall bless thee in the land. You will possess the land. The second choice was death and evil. So here are the two choices, life and good, death and evil. Which way would you choose? Where would you cast your lot? Moses himself would not be able to possess the land. He would never be able to possess that land in his lifetime. He had failed by smiting the rock the second time in the wilderness Spoiling a perfect type of Jesus only having been smitten once on the cross, dying one time for the sins of the world and providing eternal life. Moses failed when God told him to speak to the rock. He was angry, he was upset, he was mad at the people, and so he smoked the rock and said, Here, oh, you rebels! And in anger, he smoked the rock the second time. It cost him entrance into the promised land. So he would die. And God would bury him on the mountain. And this is recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 32 if you want to look at it, beginning with verse 48. The Lord spoke to Moses the selfsame day saying, Get thee up into this mountain, Abiram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. Behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession." I give it to the children of Israel, but not to you, Moses. And die in the mountain whither thou goest up and be gathered unto thy people as Aaron, thy brother, died in the Mount Hor and was gathered unto his people. This is chapter 32 now and verse 51. Because ye trespassed against me. And then in the latter part of that verse, ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. Verse 52. Yet thou shalt see the land before thee, but thou shalt not go thither unto the land which I give unto the land, to the children of Israel. We often sing the song from Mount Pisgah's lofty height. I view my home and take my flight. Moses went up to the top of Mount Nebo and one of the pinnacles was Pisgah and it is believed that that was the very site and I've been there and when you were free to travel, you're not free to travel in that part of, of the Moab at this present time. But I've been there and looked and it was a hazy day. I could not see, but Moses could see the Mediterranean Sea. He could see the mountains of Lebanon. He could see the Dead Sea and the well-watered plains of Jordan. He could see the entire length and breadth of the promised land that the children of Israel were about to cross into. The promised land blessing was that thou and thy seed may live. You and I are making choices even now, tonight, on the 60th anniversary of this church. And in our lifetime, in our lifespan, we're making choices that will affect future generations, our seed and our seed's seed, our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. The title of my message tonight is My Dream for the Future of Evangel Temple. Your children will inherit whatever blessing you claim and speak over them and inherit and possess through your obedience to God's command. Your disobedience will result in blessings being cut off and possibly a curse unfurling into their lives. Be sure that you plant good seed, not strife and bitterness, but love forgiveness, benevolence, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, good works, not evil works. You know, I believe that God wants us to understand that we are influencing our children more than we ever realize. We are planting seed in our grandchildren's lives. They're gonna turn out the way that we are determining by the seed that we are planting and sowing into their lives. Moses failed because of anger. Will we fail because of indignation? Because of displeasure? Because of dissatisfaction? Because of unrest? Because we don't always approve of the way things go? Will we fail? Aaron made a golden calf and he was not allowed to enter into the promised land. Moses got angry and smote the rock the second time. He was angry with God and angry with the people. So he didn't obey God. He didn't speak to the rock. He smote the rock. And therefore, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren will reap the harvest that we are sowing even as we mark the 60th anniversary of the church. As we stand before God and as we live before our family and in the presence of all the people around us, we're planting seeds. Think with me for a moment as Gary had you do this morning. Over the 60 years of history, 60 years ago today, the church was mighty small, just a handful of people that were hungry for God. They met over in the Murray Hill area on Gilmore Street, under a tent with a sawdust floor. Reverend Barnado, L. A. Barnado, and his wife Eva, at church with that small group of people. He was succeeded in 1949 by W.H. Casey, and in 1951, L.A. Allen, in 1953, M.L. Thompson. Brother Thompson died and his wife continued to pastor the church, Sister Ruth Thompson. We knew her as Sister Ruth Garrett because she remarried following Brother Thompson's death. And then Brother Harold Tyus came in 1957 and moved the church from Gilmore Street to the property across Ramona Boulevard here at 5714 Ramona. That was the address of the building across the street. He continued to pastor the church after building that building and, and enduring a bout with polio. He was crippled for the rest of his life, but his ministry never stopped. It's still going to this day. Thank God, a great man of God. But in 1964, God led him to other places and we were invited to come and pastor of the church here in Jacksonville. And these have been wonderful years, 40 years ago. So that's two-thirds of the history of this church, 60 years total and 40 years that I've served as the pastor. During this 40 years, there have been 13 property pur- purchases, 13 property purchases, 15 building programs. <laughs> it involves developing the church campus as you see it today and the Samaritan House down the street. It involves the Summer Lake Retreat property in North Hilliard, 80 acres with beautiful buildings and a beautiful 18-acre lake for retreats and activities of different departments of the church. So the, the vision and the dream over the years, 60 years, has involved a lot of things, a lot of different buildings, a lot of different pastors, a lot of different people in the congregation And some of them have gone on and preceded us into their trip to heaven. But I want to talk to you about the importance of speaking a blessing at this juncture, at this milestone, where we are right now. Look at our text. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14. You must look at this one more time. If you close your Bible, shame on you, open your Bible. (laughs) Chapter 30 and verse 14. The Word is very nigh thee unto thee, in thy mouth. Where is the word? In thy mouth and in thine heart, that thou mayest do it. Pastor Gary told us this morning that many of the things are never going to happen until we speak them. The word of God must be spoken. We must quote the the scripture in our prayers, in our confession, in our belief, in our faith process. We need to Speak positively the Word of God. The Word is very nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth. Not everything coming out of our mouth is the Word of God, sad to say. There's some things that conflict with the Word of God, in fact. Some people speak curses over their children. And he mentioned this in his sermon this morning. They teach them to be cursed. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to wind up in jail. You're no good. You're good for nothing. I had one man tell me just recently that his dad told him that he would never amount to anything. Well, you know, you, you can live up to that confession or you can decide that you're not going to live by that and be bound by that. Amen. I don't believe that anybody can curse our life continually and permanently. I believe you can throw off any curse that's ever been pronounced against you by witchcraft. Or sorcery or by a relative even your own parents I don't believe you have to live under any curse whatsoever you're under the blood of Jesus Christ and what does the Bible say the Word of God is near unto thee even in thy mouth and if you speak the Word of God you can break any curse no matter what it is some people speak curses as I said and children suffer from inferiority complexes and they suffer from a lack of self-confidence and a feeling of failure. And they turn out to be a failure because they're living up to the reputation their parents in anger and frustration have announced for them. And they're trying to fulfill the destiny that was pronounced over their life. I want to tell you young people, break out of the mold. Don't live under a curse. Prove them wrong. You be a success. You be a success in education. You be a success in your career. You just determine, I am not going to fail. I am not going to fail. All things are possible to them that believe. And with God, all things are possible. I believe that you can begin to confess positively things that are going to come to pass and you will see them become reality. It is in your mouth. After 9 11, In 2001, we already mentioned this tonight and in the prayer meeting, everyone was saying, God bless America. We were singing it. We sang it here in church services. It was on our sign out here, God bless America. It was on many church signs all over America and in in automobile windows, on store buildings. God bless America. And it was in vogue to be patriotic once again for a change. And the liberals had to just swallow hard and endure it. But nevertheless, it was popular to say, God bless America. You could even say it in school and get by with it. And during those times when we were speaking the word of God and pronouncing a blessing on America, Afghanistan was liberated. The despot Saddam Hussein was defeated in Iraq. And the terrorism that was intended to spread across America was stopped. It did not go as far as Al-Qaeda intended for it to go because we were speaking, God bless America. I believe we better do that again. Come on, help me. God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. It's in your mouth. I want to point out that curses have been coming out of the mouths of American people From politicians and the Hollywood crowd. And people running for high office, they've cursed our president. It has resulted in a hatred for President Bush in many parts of the world, especially in Europe. It has resulted, and I want to say this very plainly, in death to more than 1,000 American troops in Iraq. I believe that we would have won, we not only won that battle early... I believe it would have been over if it had not been for the criticism and the anger and the hatred directed against the war and against our president. I believe people have killed our troops in Iraq by their curses that they pronounced on that war. It has resulted in hatred for our president. But I want to tell you something good. The blessings spoken by the faith community and the Christians in America, Enabled a born again president to go back for a second term in office. We refused to let Hollywood speak for us. We refused to let the liberal politicians speak for us. And we prayed, God bless our president, and he's back in office. Some of you may have a hard time with that, too. You can get me after church. I just believe it's true. I believe you can curse a nation, you can bless a nation. I believe you can curse the president or you can bless the president. I believe you can curse the troops or you can bless the troops. I'm all for blessing our troops. Amen. Amen. What is my dream of blessing for the future? Now, God promised blessings in the Old Testament. He promised them to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. He said, To Abraham, you and your seed will inherit this land. They'll become as numerous as the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven, which cannot be numbered. That was passed on to Isaac. That was passed on to Jacob. At Bethel, Jacob had a dream. God gave him a dream. He was running from Esau. He was running from his own acts of wrongdoing. He had lied. He had stolen his brother's blessing. He deceived his aged and blinded father and lied about his identity, claimed to be Esau when he was Jacob. And now then, he's on the lamb. He's running. It's all recorded in Genesis chapter 28. Let me read to you just a line or two from verse 10 down to verse 13. Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took of the stones for that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. He lighted upon a certain place It was no accident that he was at Bethel. He didn't choose the place. He didn't like the place. It was a hard place. He had to pillow his head on rocks that night. This was a mama's boy tied to his mother's apron strings. He never knew a night out in the wild like that. The sound of wild beasts filled his ears. He was scared. He was uncomfortable. And he didn't know what the future held for him. So he didn't like this place. But the Bible says he lighted upon a certain place. Now, that's a good southern term he lighted upon. It's a good Alabama term. (laughs) And so, nevertheless, that night he went to sleep and took stones for his pillows. Verse 12 says he dreamed. You know, in a hard place, you can have a dream. I believe God wants this church to dream. I believe God wants this church to stop right where we are at this juncture, at the 60th anniversary, and begin to dream about the future. I, I don't want any nightmares. I want a dream that God is responsible for. A ladder was set up on the earth. The top of it reached to heaven. We don't want to wreck the ladder. We want to see it set up and access into the heavenlies. Angels of God were ascending and descending upon that ladder. It was a place of the supernatural. We need the supernatural in this church today. We've always had the supernatural. We can't do without it. But I love verse 13 more than any other. The Lord stood above it. Be sure the Lord stands above your dream. Whatever your dream, whatever you envision, be sure God is looking over it. And he's just saying, okay, this is just a little hard place here. Your head's pillowed on these rocks, but I want you to see these angels ascending and descending. And I want you to see me standing at the top of this ladder. And if you can see God in your dream, Brother, I want you to know you better go for it. Praise God. The Lord stood above it. God is looking over us in our certain place. You didn't choose the place you're in tonight. You don't even like the place you're in. You don't like what you're going through. It's difficult what you're enduring on the job, maybe in the community. Maybe there's some tough things going on around you. But if God has set up a ladder and there's access into the heavenless and God is looking over you in that certain place, just start dreaming. Just start believing. And believing God is going to change the circumstances. Here is where something took place that is very unusual. The spiritual DNA in Jacob began to emerge and began to come to the surface. It was revealed in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 28. God said to Jacob, I am the God of Abraham and of the, thy father and of Isaac. Later he would be called the God of Jacob. That spiritual DNA passed from Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob. But God prophesied that it was going to pass to his seed, to his seed seed, and to succeeding generation. One day, there would be a little scene in Bethlehem that from the seed that I'm talking about, from the spiritual DNA, the Messiah would come to earth and the Christ child would be born. You see what God envisions is far greater than anything that we could ever see with our natural eyes. The spiritual DNA. Jacob would spend 20 years in Haran working for Laban and his wages would be changed 10 times, but he would leave out of there God telling him to go back and he had to go back to Bethel. He had to go back and face Esau. He was running from Esau when he left home. Do you know the things you've hidden in your past, the things that you've been running from, you're going to wind up having to face them. One day, you're going to have to come to grips with them. So you just might as well stop in your tracks, have have a forgiving session, forgive people who have wronged you, ask them to forgive you if you have wronged them, settle the score, because it may be 20 years. It may be 20 years down the road, but you, one day I was looking in the mirror right here in Jacksonville, Florida, and I, I could see a scene in Memphis, Tennessee, a person that I had wronged. And at that time, he was dead. I hung my head. I was ashamed of what I remembered. If I could have bought a plane ticket and gone back to Memphis and got down on my knees to ask him to forgive me, I would have done that. But I couldn't because he had died. His wife had died. And so I just had to t- tell God that I'm sorry. And I confessed that sin. You know, at the time it happened, I was kind of proud of myself, but later I realized that's nothing to be proud of. I offended that brother, and I sure wish I could make it right. It may be 20 years before those deeds that you've covered up and the sin in your life that you think will never catch up with you and never be revealed. God's going to make you face that somewhere where you get it settled with God, and if you have to, settle it with man. So Jacob spent 20 years Wages changed ten times, and then he had to go back and face Esau. But God said to him in verse 13, I am with thee, and the land on which you are lying, I will give it to you and to your seed. Verse 15, he said, I am with thee, and I will keep thee, and I will bring thee again into this land. Jacob never forgot that blessing. Jacob never forgot that blessing. The Bible tells us God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. That bothered me for a long time until I found a line in the book of Hebrews that tells me that, Jacob, that Esau was a fornicator. And then I understood why God hated Esau, because he turned out to be a fornicator. And I'm telling you tonight that God loved Jacob because he never turned to idolatry. Never is there any accusation in the Bible that Jacob was an idolater. He was faithful to the God of his father, Abraham and Isaac. The DNA prevailed. 20 years of testing, changing his wages 10 times. And now then on his way back to face Esau, his spiritual DNA rises up within him in the spirit of Abraham and the spirit of Isaac. Now then, the spirit of Jacob is going to prevail and God will be known to all the world as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. How many times do you find that in the Old and the New Testament? I'm telling you, God wants us to understand there is something powerful going on inside of the blessing that has been communicated from spiritual Christian fathers upon their family when they pronounce blessings on their children and on their grandchildren and on their great-grandchildren. God says, I'll give you this land, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the world be blessed. Whew! He never forgot that blessing. In Egypt, he told Joseph, Don't you bury me down here in this land of idolatry. You take me back to Canaan and bury me in Canaan. And they did. Pharaoh let jo- Joseph take his father, Jacob, back into the land of Canaan for a burial. Before he died, in Genesis chapter 29, Jacob blessed his 12 sons. Here is that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Jacob blessed his 12 sons. Is it any wonder that the nation of Israel and these 12 patriarchs have been blessed with a spiritual DNA that emanated from God to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, passed on to 12 sons and 12 tribes of Israel? Is it any wonder that Israel still survives today? Even amid the times that they backslid and fell away from God and God had to punish them, but then he promised to bring them back because that spiritual DNA says, you're going to inherit this land, your seed and your seed's seed. This land, this is an eternal contract that God made with Israel and he would never abrogate it. In Genesis 49 and verse 28, all these 12 tribes of Israel... This is that their father spake unto them and blessed them. According to the blessing, he blessed them. Now, my dream for Evangel Temple, I want to speak a blessing over this church. For whatever amount of time that I have left, whatever amount of time that our children and our grandchildren our great-grandchildren have left on this earth until the coming of the Lord, I want to speak a blessing. I want the land to be blessed. I do believe that God's in the real estate business. I do believe that God is concerned with geography. He divided the land into various continents and nations and nationalities. And now then, God carved out a little spot in the Middle East and said, this is Palestine. This is Israel. And to Abraham and his seed forever, I grant this piece of property. And it's still God's eternal contract. I believe God carved out this place here on the west side of Jacksonville and said, I want a Pentecostal church there. And I believe God gave this property. There have been 15 property purchases during the past 40 years. And thank God for each of them. 13 major building programs during that period of time. This campus is sacred. I believe that. I believe when people drive down the interstate, and I want to speak a blessing over this campus. This is holy ground. I speak this to this campus, this is holy ground unto God, dedicated to God. Secondly, I want to bless our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I thank God that my family worship here. I thank God that all of them are saved and serving the Lord. I thank God that already he has confirmed his promise to bless the seed that come along after me. The third blessing I wanna speak over this congregation is that God will multiply this congregation. God said to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, your seed will become as the stars of heaven and the sand of the sea that cannot be numbered. I don't believe God's through with growth at Evangel temple. It is a problem to some people who believe that things are gonna get out of hand and out of their control and they won't have as much say so, but that's just your problem, it's not God's problem. God's problem is getting more sinners in here. And getting them saved and ready to go to heaven. Don't put a curse on your family by saying our church doesn't need to be any larger. It could be your children or grandchildren that's frozen out and never allowed to get in. If you put a curse on this church by saying we're too big and we don't need any more, you're putting a curse on your relatives. Put a blessing on them and saying God wants us to multiply. He wants us to expand. He wants us to grow. To thy seed they shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I believe we can claim that, that from this piece of property and from this congregation, the earth will be blessed through our missions endeavors. And right now, tonight, in Bogota, Colombia, 16 of our people are there witnessing for Jesus. And Bogota is being blessed by a Christian witness from Evangel Temple. The fourth blessing that I want to speak over this congregation is the blessing of revival and evangelism. We cannot allow tradition and religion to dictate to us and stand in the way of the move of the Holy Ghost. We're living in a new century and a new day and God is doing new things and we can't have it like it used to be. I remember when we had a rom- one room church building divided up into Sunday school classes. Some classes were out under the shade trees and there was an outhouse. It was one room and a path. <laughs> I don't want to go back to those days. I remember instead of comfortable pews, you had slatted benches. Somebody move on the other end, you got pinched. I remember the the days of funeral home air conditioning with fans, you kept yourself cool. I remember spraying for mosquitoes to keep the mosquitoes out. I remember the sawdust floor. I remember the hard times, the brush harbors. Yes, I remember those days. I don't want to go back to those days. This is a new day. I remember when the first time that we formed a choir, you know, we used to, everybody wants to be in the choir, come up, and about everybody, about one or two people would come up and be in the choir. And you are sing to one or two people out there. <laughs> That's true. Still happens a lot of places today. I saw it many times in my lifetime. I don't want to go back to that day. I remember when we bought choir robes the first time across the street in the old building. The first time we bought choir robes for our choir, people liked to backslid over it. and choir of. We're really becoming modern. We're compromising. We're copying the world. People thought that was awful. People thought it was awful when we put an electronic organ in the church. Well, a lot of things have changed and we can't go backwards. We've got to go forward. So I believe that God wants us to refuse to allow tradition and religion to stand in the way. Some people are not comfortable with the music. They want the music like it used to be. Well... I love all kinds of music and I have to admit there's some kinds that I'm not too keen on. (laughs) But I do realize that we've got all kinds of people, all ages of people and uh, they have different tastes and I want to reach all people. Amen. I like to sing, I'll fly away. Oh, I want to... Let me get off this. Worship styles are different, but the worship of God is still the same if Christ is lifted up. We can't go back and retreat from fasting and prayer. I don't know how many of you will fast Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday or, or if any part of it, but traditionally, our prayer meetings are kind of small. Not everybody feels that that's necessary. Everybody believes that the preacher's supposed to do that for us, and I will. I will, I'll be here fasting and praying for you and for your family. But I do think there's some things gonna happen in your family that my fasting and prayer is not gonna cure. And the absence of fasting and prayer in your life is gonna tell when you need a miracle and God seems a million miles away and the heavens have turned to brass and you can't get a prayer out of the room. I believe we need fasting and prayer. I believe the anointing of the Holy Ghost is a result of the price that we pay in fasting and prayer. I know it's hard to give up television. It's hard to give up pleasure. It's hard to give up food. But I'm telling you, there is a price to pay if you're gonna walk with God. And my dream for the future is that this church will always have fasting and prayer as part of its reason for being. I'm almost through. I know that's why you're clapping. (laughs) but my dream for this church is that we'll always be Pentecostal that we will never sacrifice our belief in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues I believe under that banner there's certain things that take place it's always been familiar Pentecostal people have been people who preached holiness not all of them live it but they preach it (laughs) and this is a holiness church you better believe it. This is a holiness church. We preach against adultery. We preach against drunkenness and using alcoholic beverages in any form whatsoever. We preach against cursing and lying and playing the lottery and gambling in any other fashion. And all of those things sometimes crimp the style for some people because they like to squeeze in once in a while, purchasing a lottery ticket, hoping they're going to make it big. But I tell you, just be faithful on your job. Work hard. Man shall earn his living by the bread of, earn his bread by the sweat of his face. <laughs> you want to get up here and try this? <laughs> You'll get your tang tangled up sometime. <laughs> Under the banner of holiness, I believe that we should always be against lying. Telling the truth is always in vogue. We should be against gossip, against criticism, against stealing, against pronouncing negative things. You know, standing out in the corridors and criticizing the choir number or criticizing the guest speaker or whatever's going on. You just don't like it. Well, I believe holiness will be a good cure for all of that. Finally, I want to speak. My vision for the future of this church is that we will always be deeply committed to world missions. At home and abroad, spreading the gospel, preaching the everlasting truth to the ends of the earth. Thank God for a missionary-minded church. I'm proud to say that Evangel Temple is my church home. I'm never embarrassed when people ask me about where I pastor. I say, I pastor Evangel Temple Assembly of God Church. I'm never embarrassed to acknowledge that this is the church that stands for Pentecost. This is a church that preaches holiness. This is a church that believes in world missions, that believes in prison ministry, that believes in outreach locally and everywhere around, just reaching out to get people saved and into the kingdom of God.